You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Amen. Thank you. Beautiful prayer, Keisha. And what an incredible weekend. Very grateful, Keisha. Um, putting all this together, like this GCC together, this United to Serve, this was, this was Keisha's vision and it's something she saw all the way through. She organized it, um, put everything together. So very grateful for Keisha doing this. I mean, it's amazing. 123 people from 31 different families serving at, was it seven, I think, or eight places, ministries in our community. Um, what an incredible weekend. And you got t-shirts. So Everyone always loves a free t-shirt, so thank you. And these are good t-shirts. These aren't the 100% cotton t-shirts. If you're ever giving out free t-shirts, don't give out 100% cotton t-shirts. We're just going to throw them away. So you need at least a 60-40 blend, and then, we'll, and then we'll actually wear them. But I'm a bit of a t-shirt snob, so that's my... Not the, I shouldn't be using preaching time for that, but there you go. That's, that's how I feel about it. Well, here we are. Uh, a few weeks ago, we're searching for the shade, and today everyone's searching for the sun. And I love uh, this weather, so thank you all for coming out, even though I know some of you are miserably cold. Um, But all summer, I was miserably hot. So we just, that's how it goes for some of us. We're continuing a series this morning. We're actually concluding a series this morning that Pastor Brad began back in, I guess, in early summer, whenever we resumed meeting and we began meeting outdoors. Uh, Pastor Jeff, Pastor David, myself, Pastor Brad, we've all been preaching on this theme of conforming to the image of God's Son, Jesus. And uh, Pastor Brad began this series with preaching on kind of the theme verse, which is Romans 8, verse 29. And our focus this morning is going to be on verses 31 through 39. Um, However, we're going to go back and read verses 28 and 30 to begin with. Because let me tell you, the verses 31 through 39 are glorious. (laughs) They're glorious truths. I cannot wait for us to look at verses 31 through 39 together. However, we first need to read verses 28 through 30 so that we can see who who verses 31 through 39 are for. We need to read verses 28 through 30 so we can see who verses 31 through 39 are for. So let's jump right in. You good for that? Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 30. Hear the word of the Lord. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Those are three beautiful deep, meaningful verses. And we could spend weeks, weeks, you, you, someone I'm sure can spend years on those three verses, but we're going to try to just spend a few minutes on these three verses. Again, the glorious truths of verses 31 through 39, I can't wait, but we can't just go straight to them and overlook 28 through 30 and risk the chance of misleading someone or confusing someone because the truths in verses 31 through 39 They're not for everyone. Verses 28 through 30 make it very clear. There's there's a dividing line. And we need to know who verses 31 through 39 are for. 
I mentioned I, I love this weather. My favorite time of year, and one reason it's my favorite time of year is this postseason baseball. I love when baseball players are wearing long sleeves, they're wearing a toboggan in the dugout, they're wearing the postseason hoodies. I love it when you might see a manager wearing baseball gloves and he's holding a cup of coffee in the dugout. I love postseason baseball, and especially because I'm a Braves fan, the Braves are in the National League Champion Series, Championship Series right now. And we have a few Dodger fans in our congregation, and we are playing the Dodgers. And the Dodgers have been taking it to the Braves. Game seven tonight, winner takes all. I'm hoping it's the Braves, but if the Dodgers win, I'll be happy for a few Dodger fans. I really will be happy for you. One of my favorite movies growing up was a baseball movie, and it was about a 12-year-old named Henry Rodengardner. And you may have seen this movie. It's called Rookie of the Year. I think I saw it five times in the theater when I, when I was a child. I love Rookie of the Year. Well, 12-year-old Henry Rodengardner, he has an accident, and after his arm heals, he discovers he can throw over 100 miles an hour. So this 12-year-old kid gets a call from the Chicago Cubs to come pitch for them. Every kid's dream, at least it was my dream. It's still my dream. It's not going to happen, but it's my dream. I'd play for the Cubs. And Henry Rodengardner, he goes everywhere with his two best friends. They're building a boat together. They spend all their time together. And it's time for Henry to go play for the Cubs. And they're walking up to Wrigley, and they knock on the door to be let in to Wrigley. And these three boys who go everywhere together, they start to walk in when the guy opens the player's entrance. And the man immediately stops and, oh, oh, players only. And then Henry has to walk through all by himself, leaving his two friends outside. Well, today, the glorious truth in verses 31 through 39, while it's not just for players only, it is for God's children only. These magnificent verses. You see, these verses are for those whom God foreknew. This is for those that God has set his love on from before time, that he wanted to know them. These verses are for those of you, I pray all of you, that God has foreknown. These truths are for those who are predestined. You see, long before they were, God had in mind and set a destination for these people to be with him in glory, to be conformed to the image of God, Verses 31 through 39, it's for those whom he has foreknown. It's for those whom he has predestined. It's also for those whom he has called. You see, verses 31 through 39 aren't for everyone. But if you are called, these truths are for you. And you have been called if you have hear, heard the gospel and you have been moved by it. Not just in words. It didn't go in one ear and out the other. But you have heard the gospel message and you heard it with power from the Holy Spirit, under conviction of the Holy Spirit, and you've repented from your sin, and you have trusted in Christ alone for your salvation. These truths are for those who are called. These truths are for those who are justified and those who are glorified. I love how these are all past tense, by the way. Because of Jesus, these verses are for those who have been pronounced blameless, and one day they will be glorified when their sin is finally eradicated from their soul and body. And they will finally be perfect in body and spirit before Jesus. Those who will be glorified. Just as Miss Ellie is this morning, as Keisha beautifully said. Miss Ellie this morning, not only does she not feel the pain of bladder cancer anymore or the pain of age and the pain of well, all that life brings you, you can imagine. Sally's also free from sin. And those who are called, while we want to be delivered from our pain, we can't wait to be delivered from our sin. 
Miss Ellie this morning is glorified. In all of us for now, we sing the beautiful truths that Fanny Crosby gave us in a hymn years ago. We sing, take the world, but give me Jesus. In his cross, my trust shall be. Till with clearer, brighter vision, face to face, my Lord, I see. Take the world, but give me Jesus. Miss Ellie's not singing that this morning. She is with Jesus, at the feet of Jesus. So this morning, are these verses going to be for you? Do you love God because he has first loved you? Do you long to be with God in glory, finally conformed to the image of God's son, Jesus? Have you heard the gospel message in power? And have you, under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, have you repented of your sin and you look to Christ and Christ alone to be your savior? Do you long to not just be free of trouble, but do you long to finally be blameless before God, free of your sin because of Jesus' work on the cross? Do you long for the day that you will be glorified before God? If so, then God's children, I want you to hear these verses this morning. And I want you to be encouraged. Paul's words written in Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39, they were given to us from God for you. Hear the word of the Lord, beginning with verse 31. Paul asks, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he was raised and who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God, from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or or sword, as it's even written, for your sake, we're being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. (laughs) In all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor present things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. I told Pastor Brad, I think I could get up and read these verses and I can go sit down. I love how Paul, though, he's not afraid to ask questions. Questions that maybe you have asked, no doubt questions that the world may be asking. Paul doesn't hold back because Paul asked some very legit, very difficult questions, but Paul is confident. Talk about confidence. The questions he puts out there, let God fend for himself. Paul asked these questions because Paul, well, he's not only confident, Paul is certain. And he's giving us in these verses, he's giving us four questions. And I want you to see in these verses that because of God's love, God's children can be certain about their future. 
you may have questions about how things are going to work out. But I want you to see in these verses that because of God's love, God's children can be certain about their future. There's not much in life I tend to be certain about. Romans 8, 31 through 39, we can be certain. Our future is certain because the love of God is certain. Therefore, our future has already been locked in through the cross on Calvary so that you may begin enjoying its benefits today. Let's once again look at verse 31. Paul asked his first question, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Have you ever played a team sport? I played sports. I love sports. I've already talked about baseball, so I bring that up. But maybe you're not a sports player. Maybe you're a, you're a debate team kind of person. I respect you. My wife is a debate team kind of person. She could tear me up in a debate. Maybe some kind of team sport. Maybe a spades. I love to play spades. I forget how to play spades, but every time I relearn, I do pretty well. So think of some kind of competition where you have a team player, and have you ever gone around and maybe bragged a little bit? Maybe you've done a, done a bit of trash talking, but your confidence isn't in yourself. Your confidence in, is in the others who are going to be playing with you. I know I've done this. And Paul here, he's saying some bold things, but Paul's confidence is from outside of himself. His confidence is in God. And Paul here, he's not so much like trash talking as he is getting, getting us together. He's calling us up in a huddle. We're in the middle of the game, wherever the analogy lands with you. But Paul has called us up. We're on the field. We're down. And Paul looks us in the eye and he's smiling. You want to say, Paul, this isn't the time to be smiling. We're down. We're on the field. Let's get to it. This is not the time. Paul is smiling though. And he reminds us that the outcome hasn't just been decided. The outcome has already been finalized. Paul is certain that God is for us. God's children can be certain about their future. Answering four questions, giving you four reasons why, four points. The first one is God is for us. God is for us. There's no losing. No doubt, we could read verse 31 and we can think of many people, we can make, think of many things that are actually against us. I mean, even our own hearts, even our sin, this battle within, there are plenty of things from outside, from within that we find that are against us. And if we were to take a moment this morning and we were to inventory all the things that we feel are against us in this life, we can become downright overwhelmed. And some of you here this morning, even God's called people, even his children, you come in here overwhelmed because you feel all that is against you. Paul's coming to us in Romans 8, verses 31 through 39. He's saying, heads up, fellas, heads up, ladies, come on. Don't you forget who you are as God's called. Paul's not afraid. Clearly, Paul is not afraid. How would you like to go through life fearless? God's children don't have to imagine that. God's children can experience that. Going through life fearless. So much so that Paul asks, he says, what does it matter who's against us? God's for us. What does it matter? What confidence? 
Paul has. Paul's looking at God's people and he's saying, you have a backbone. Paul's saying, you can stand tall because you can be confident, you can be certain in God. Look at verse 31. You can insert your name right there. God is for us. And his children can be certain about their future. Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also graciously give us all things? Once again, Paul, he doesn't dodge the tough questions. Will God really give us all we need? Maybe you're not asking it now, but surely you've asked it before. Is God really going to come through? Does God really know who he has here? Does God really know what he's up against? Will God truly give us all that we need to follow him? Paul knew we'd be asking this question. So he gives it to us in scripture. And Paul's so excited. Have you ever had a child come to tell you a joke and they're so excited, they tell you the punchline before they even ask the joke? They ruin it. Paul is so excited. He can't wait to answer the question here. He actually loads the front part of the question with the answer. Paul can't wait. If God is for me, you may be asking, why do I feel so lacking? I've asked this before. I ask this daily, sometimes hourly. Paul knew would be asking this. And that's why God gives us this in the Bible. Don't let your feelings subvert your reality with God. You can be certain. Those who God foreknows, those he has predestined, those he has called, he has justified and glorified. They can be certain. Do you not feel like you can make it? Maybe you can't hang on until eternity. Like the roller coaster you get on and it takes off and you know there is a moment of no return. You're strapped in. All you can do is hang on. There's nothing you can do to change it. For God's children, you can be certain that he will give you all things. Some of you are so burdened with your sin this morning. Maybe you are so weary, you're not sure if you can hang on. And Paul is saying to us, do you not realize that he's already given us his son? I mean, God's not gonna stop short now. He's already given us his son for crying out loud. And he's giving it so that your journey, your destination of heaven will be secure. He's gonna see you all the way through. He's already given his son for you. God is fully invested. You have the security of the work that was done on the cross at Calvary. You have the deposit of the Holy Spirit that's within you. I want you to know that God didn't give you his son to turn away from you now. You can be certain. God didn't give you all things except his son. No, no. (laughs) You see, he gave you his son So you have all things. You can't keep Paul down. This is a man who's not just confident. This is a man who's certain. And he wants us to know this morning that God's children can be certain about their future. Because he gives us all things. Point two. If someone were to give you a house and you graciously accept the house, you don't turn around and say, can I buy the doorknobs to go with it? No, 
you're given the house. You don't have to ask for the doorknobs. They're not going to be withheld from you. God's not going to turn his back on you or withhold from you what is needed to get you to your eternal destination with him in glory. God holds nothing back from you because you can't, well, you can't earn something that's been given. You can't buy something that's only free. God gives us all things so that God's children can be certain about their future. Verses 33 through 34. Quite an impressive question again, an honest one. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who's to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. And more than that, who was raised and who is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Now, my kids often tattle on one another. Maybe it's just my kids. I don't know if your kids tattle on one another. One day they're going to realize they've got to start covering for one another, but they're not to that point yet. Instead, they, they tattle on one another. And typically, whenever a kid comes to tattle on another kid, the one who's being told on is quickly behind them, interrupting, yelling, trying to get my attention and giving their defense before I've even heard the charge. In which I always have to interrupt them. Stop, 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 stop. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Just, you're not in trouble. Just go, go. And I have to tell the one who tattled, I don't want trouble. Just, just go. I don't care. Maybe it's me. That's not how I always respond. I'm responding more and more like that these days. Yeah. <laughs> however, not to set you up to knock you down, but however, this is not how God handles our sin. I, I overlook it. I treat them as they're innocent, even though we know they aren't. This, though, isn't how God handles sin. Yes, it's true that God forgives sin, but God only forgives sin because the sin has been paid for. God doesn't just overlook it as I do and treat my children as innocent. God doesn't just overlook our sin and treat us as if we're innocent. No, he is able to forgive us our sin because our sin has been paid for. Christ Jesus is the one who died. It's been paid for. So as God's child out here, when you feel accused, when your sin, maybe even from this morning, maybe even just now, when it is in front of you, remember, your sin isn't just forgiven. It is paid for. It is paid for. That means it can't no longer it can no longer be collected on because there is nothing to collect because Jesus died for your sin. It's paid for. And Jesus death on the cross was enough to cover all of your sin. Whether your mind goes to the past, Jesus covered it. Whether your mind is to right now or even this morning or from last night, Jesus has covered it. Whatever you have planned or whatever is to come, past, present, future, Jesus has covered it. And when he on the cross proclaimed, it is finished, the wrath of God was completely satisfied. Your sin debt has been paid. If you're a child of God, God justifies us. Point three, God justifies us. So when you feel accused, 
in whatever sin or whatever situation you're dealing with, whether it be from those who know you most, whether it be from within, whether it be from the deceiver, Satan, whatever it is, I want you to know that if God says you're justified, then no other charges that come against you will hold. From outside, from within, no other charge is going to hold against you. And when you face God, the charges will be dropped because when he looks at you, he will see Jesus' blood covering you. And even now, Jesus is right beside the Father saying, he's mine, she's mine, they're ours, she's yours, he's ours. Who's accusing you? I can promise you, there's no higher court than God. Your sin cannot keep you from eternity with God if you are his called. Because it's your sin that Jesus' blood removes. It covers. It can't separate you from God now. Jesus died to cover it. Case closed. God justifies us. Verse 35. Ooh, I love this one. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And Paul's like, let me give you some examples. Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Now this here is a legit question. Again, Paul doesn't hold back. He knows what we might be asking. Because some of you have faced these things. No doubt you know some Christians who have faced these things. We have all read historically Christians face these things. Paul even gives us an example from Psalm 44. Paul's, Paul's going to give it to us. Verse 36, he says, as is written, for your sake, we're being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Wow. Can these things separate us from the love of Christ? It's as if Paul's saying, give me one. What about this? What about this? Your worst nightmare, Paul's saying, can it? Can it separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? And this is when Paul, I believe, looks up with a smile. In verse 37, he says, no, no, in all these things, we're more than conquerors. I didn't see the word conquerors coming there. Paul says, these things aren't going to separate you. Actually, when it comes to these things, you are conquerors through him who loved us. Paul's not saying, we'll just endure. No, Paul is saying, you are going to conquer. How can someone who's facing tribulation, how can someone who's facing famine, distress, nakedness, hunger, the sword, even being slaughtered, how can they be conquerors? Well, Paul's certain. So certain that even in verse 28, he tells us that all things will work for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. So we must conclude that whatever it is we're facing, the worst things we can imagine that Paul has given to us here, they can only become good in God's sovereign plan. How can these things work together for our good? Because God's children can be certain that God is for them. 
that God will give them all things, that God has justified them, and nothing will separate us. You see, if these things are true for God's children, you cannot be defeated. It must work toward our good because it's not going to beat us. I mean, it must be in God's sovereign plan because it's not going to end in our defeat. Not for God's children. Verses 38 and 39, Paul says, I'm sure, I'm sure that, well, neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present or things to come nor, nor powers. You just, what else can you think of? nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Pastor Brad pointed out to me that chapter 8, well, it begins with there is no condemnation, and it gloriously ends with there is no separation. Our future is certain, conformed to the image of God's Son, and no one can stop that, because no one can separate us. Not God from his children. No one can separate us. That's point four. As pastor and uh, commentator Ray Ortland, he says, you're not a victim. You're not a victim, but you're a victor. And whatever it is you're going through right now, the life that God has given you, it's the vehicle God has given you to get you to your destination, to glory. And while not everything is good in itself, it is working for our good in his sovereign plan. It must. Your suffering does not define you. No, it is God's love for you that defines you. And you can be certain of that. John Stott says, the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints, it needs to be renamed. I like this. He says, the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints needs to be called the doctrine of the perseverance of God with the saints. And then he quotes a hymn, a hymn entitled, From Noon of Joy to Night of Doubt. And this hymn says this, Let me no more my comfort draw from my frail hold of thee. In this alone rejoice with all thy mighty grasp of me. God hasn't promised that people won't be against you, but he has said that he is for you. God hasn't said that you won't ever be without, but that he has given you his son and all that you need for salvation. God hasn't said that charges won't be brought against you, but he has said that you will not be condemned. And God hasn't said that you won't suffer. God has told you that nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. And because of God's love, God's children can be certain about their future. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for these glorious truths. The love of God. Father, we are so undeserving. Thank you for showing us your love through Jesus. Father, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for keeping us. Lord, we pray that you will help us to know, to be certain 
of your love and all the implications it brings about in our life. Lord, no doubt for our good, but our aim, God, is for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.